Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. Well, uh, I wanted to speak to you. I told you last week we started a new sermon series from the book of Luke. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about appropriate ways to respond to Jesus. Appropriate ways to respond to Jesus. You know, people walk up to me all the time, and they walk up to you, and they, they say little things. Well, maybe the most common thing they say is, how are you? How are you? Right? And uh, you probably have your common saying, what's the most common thing you say? Fine, fine, thank you. Some of you have your own little quips, your own little things you say. You know, sometimes I hear somebody goes, better than I deserve, right? Um, do what? Living the dream. There you go. You know, you have your thing. I thought I would give you some extra ones uh, today um, just to help you out, uh, to give you something different to say. I'm going to do this in the style of the old David Letterman show, the top ten things that you can respond to when somebody asks, how are you? All right? Y'all ready? So somebody says, how are you? You say, I'm better on the inside than I look on the outside. Some of you could really use that one. Number nine, how are you? I can't complain, but I'm going to try. Number eight, how are you? I'm great, but I should warn you, I'm totally biased. All right, they get better. That was the bottom three, okay? Number seven, I like this one, seven. How are you? Physically here, mentally at the beach. So you like, oh, I got some like, yeah, that's where I am right now, Brother Jim. You better bring it this morning because I'm... Number six, how are you? If I were any better, vitamins would be taking me. Number five. How are you? My lawyer has advised me that I don't have to ask I don't have to answer any questions. This is one of my favorites. Number four. Personally, I think I'm doing incredible, but my therapist says I'm delusional. I actually answered some 15-year-old boys uh, the other day, that one, after I read it, and they started looking at each other going, his therapist? He has a therapist that says he's delusional? I think they believe me. Uh, number three, how are you? Why are you asking me these questions? Are you a cop? Similar vein, how are you? Number two, why? What have you heard? And the number one answer... How are you? I was just wondering the same thing, all right? <laughs> appropriate ways to respond. There are some, you can use them this week, but I want to talk to you about appropriate ways to respond to Jesus. Appropriate ways to respond to Jesus. You know, we talked about last week, we mentioned this awesome call that Jesus makes on our life. Luke nine twenty three is where he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me, right? And and so he gives this call on on us to follow him. That's the call, 
right? Follow me. Go with me. Be where, be where I am. So how do we respond to that? What do, we, what do we do? How do we answer him in that call on our life? And so I, I thought the best way to figure that out is to look at how some other people responded to that and figure out the best way for me to respond when he says, come go with me. Uh, to where I'm going. So I want to share with you from Luke chapter 5 today, if you want to turn your scriptures there, we'll look at some of these responses by people that you're familiar with. And the first response is the response of obedience. It's the response of obedience. So let's look at Peter and what he does in this situation. It's pretty interesting. Verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who later became known as Peter, okay, Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now this is important. This is, this is so important to us, obedience, because I'm a logical person. I like to operate from logic. I don't operate so much from emotions as I do logic. We all operate from a combination of both. But, you know, I like to think things through and I like to make good decisions and try to figure out the right thing to do. And so the problem is sometimes this gets in the way when it comes to following God. And, and if you're like me, if you're one of those kind of people that like to kind of think things through, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying. Because sometimes what Jesus does is he asks us to do things that when we calculate it out, it doesn't measure up. It doesn't make sense. It's not the reasonable thing to do. He's telling us to do something that we don't want to do. He's telling us to do something that's very difficult to do. You know, you know I'm... I'm in my job, and you probably in your job, we, we do a cost-risk analysis. You decide what's the risk, what's the cost, what's the payoff if it goes well, what's the problem if it goes poorly, and you kind of add that together and you decide. And we take risk, we change things and do things, but like you're really trying to analyze, should I do this or not do this? Now, when the Lord comes along and he says, come follow me, we're going to go do this, let's go do this. And it doesn't add up, right? Like, and I just promise you, I'm just going to tell you, he will lead you to places that don't add up. And he does it for a very particular reason. Because if everything just adds up, if everything just makes sense, then you don't need Jesus. You don't need him. You can just reason things out, weigh them out, and in your own wisdom, you can decide. Because none of us in this circumstance would make the decision to do what Peter's being asked to do. <clears throat> You've worked all day. You're an expert in your field. You've done it for years. And you've worked all day. It's at the end of the day 
and now you've put everything up, right? Now, for some of you, you're like me. When I put things up, we're talking about closing a laptop and putting it in a bag. It's not a big deal. But if you're, you know, working in a restaurant or you're a fisherman or something that you're talking about, massive, like at the end of the day, you got to clean everything and get everything put away. To restart everything is a huge undertaking, right? You would just never do that. Once we've shut down the factory for the day, there's a whole process to ramping everything back up. I mean, they have to clean the nets. They have to put everything away. There's just a huge amount of work done, and the work's not finished till you know, there's a whole process to lining everything up, starting everything, and shutting everything down. All right, so... So when, when we're doing that, even here, even here, when, if you came here in the morning, there's a process and an order to turning on all the lights, turning on all the sound stuff. There's a process into shutting it down in the right order and all that kind of stuff. And so you can imagine if, if you knew how many air conditioner units and doors and light, you know, all the stuff that has to be lined up to, for everything to be ready for everybody to be here on Sunday. And then you got to clean everything up and put everything back. Like, all, like your jobs are like that, right? There's all that stuff. And so here Jesus comes along and says, I know it's the end of the day. I know everything's over. But let's go back to work. Now, I don't know about you, but I would never be a fan for that, you know? It's like you put everything up. It's like you're done. It's 7 p.m., right? You're home. And the Lord says, let's go back to work. Let's break everything out. Let's go back out to the office and let's go back to work. Why? Now, here's the hard part. There's no reasonable, there's no reasonable explanation why. It would be different if there was an emergency, right? Well, there's an emergency, so we need to go. Oh, okay, well, we'll all jump in in that moment, right? Oh, there's an emergency at work. I got to, you know, I've got to go jump in. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll go take care of this situation. Like, we would do that. There's no emergency. Jesus is just saying, let's go do this. Let's just go back out and do it. And so Peter analyzes everything, and he tells Jesus the facts. Master, we've worked hard all night. And we haven't caught anything. So let me just add, not only have we worked a full shift, but it was a, it was a terrible shift. It, it, it was fruitless. Like it didn't even do what we needed it to do. It was a very frustrating day. You ever have a frustrating day at work? You ever have a day where you feel like you didn't accomplish anything? Do you ever have a day where you started with 15 things on your list and you came home with 20 things on your list? Like, how how in the world did that happen? Like, I don't know if I got anything done today, right? And you probably did, but if you're like me, I didn't get anything I planned to do done. I, I got some stuff done, but it just didn't go the way I thought it would map out and I thought it would go and it was, a, it was not a fruitful day at all. It was a frustrating day. And then he makes a conclusion that is what faithful obedience is all about. He says, but because you say so, I'll do it. Because obedience is not based on that's the rule and that's what I should do. 
Obedience is based on the personality involved. It's because of who you are, and that's the reason I'll do it. It doesn't make sense. Jesus says, come follow me, let's go do this thing. It won't make sense sometimes. It won't be like, yeah, that, yeah, let's do that. That'll be better for everybody. There's a point in our lives where we just have to say, okay, because you say so, I trust you, so I'm going to go with you. Because clearly, I understand that this is the way you're leading me. And I think in those situations, God makes it really clear. He does for me. We, we have a deal, okay? We have a deal. I talk to the Lord this way. I say, Lord, there's things sometimes that I want to do. I really want to do them. And, and therefore, I'm going to do them. I'm, I'm leading myself towards the things I want to do. So if you don't want me to do the thing that I want to do, you are going to have to step up in a big way and get in the way. Like, you're going to have to let me know pretty clearly that I don't want you to do it, right? Conversely, if there are things I do not want to do, I'm just going to tell you my plan is not to do them. I'm not gearing up to do them. Now, I, I love you and I trust you and I will do them, but in those cases, you need to make it really clear to me. Like, you got to lay it out for me and let me know that I really want you to do that. And see, I believe that's what the Lord does for us. I believe the Lord, when there's something going on that you don't want to do, I think He'll make it abundantly clear, this is me, this is the Lord, and I'm calling you. And if you read in Scripture, He does that over and over again, right? When He's calling Moses, I mean, He sets a bush on fire, you know? And, and, and Moses comes up and goes, what's going on? And God goes, hey, it's me, and I have a job for you. And over and over again, the Lord shows up in pretty dramatic ways to make it clear for you to know, hey, it's me, and I have a job for you. It's me, and I want you to do something. So this whole scenario, Jesus is there, he's teaching, and he's teaching other people but the whole time the, he asked Peter, can, we, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? The boat's pulled up out of the water, right? Pulled up out of the water, but it's too crowded. People can't hear me. I need a little bit of distance. Have you ever noticed that every time there's a speaker in a situation, there's a little bit of a gap, right? So you see this gap right here? We just need a little gap so that everybody can see. And then we do it one of two, we, two ways. We either elevate the speaker so that everybody is looking at an angle so you're not blocking one another. Or we do the amphitheater where the speaker's at the bottom and everybody's elevated up. So again, we're at a different angle. If you go to any concert, any venue, there's a separation and either the stage is elevated or the people are elevated or some combination of the two, right? So he says, can we just take the boat, do you mind if I borrow your boat, and we just pull it a few feet off the shore, and I get in your boat, and this was a hillside leading down to the water, and then I can teach, and it'll be great. So Peter's there listening to everything Jesus is saying. And at the conclusion of his message now, 
not to everybody else, here's the invitation. Do y'all want you to understand something? The invitation often isn't for everybody in the room. Sometimes the invitation's for one person. And he looks at Peter and he says, hey, let's go fishing. We've already pulled off this far. Let's just get the tackle out and let's just go on out and let's go fishing. And Peter says, that makes no sense. Like I fish for a living, you're talking about like fishing for fun, right? Like, you know, I don't really do that anymore. But because you say so, I will. I just want you to know that an appropriate response to Jesus Christ, sometimes it's not about logic, it's not about reasoning, it's not about what makes sense. It's just about the fact that, okay, I can clearly hear that you are the one speaking, you're telling me to do this, I don't like it, I don't understand it, but because you say so, I will do it. All right, let's talk about a second response. They do go fishing. And it says in verse 6 that when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Remember, it originally said there were two boats, right? It said, come help us. And uh, they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, I don't know if you've ever been fishing, okay? Larry, I know you've been fishing, okay? Are there any fishermen in the room? Who are the fishermen in the room, okay? There's a few fishermen in the room. I, I'm going to argue, I'm going to presuppose that you have never filled your boat so full of fish that your boat was about to sink because there's just so many fish. Now, you may have told that story. I don't know heard about you people they begin to see when simon peter saw this now they're fishing with nets probably so this isn't one fish at a time they're pulling in fish with nets remember the night they'd worked all night they hadn't caught any fish now they're catching so many fish when simon peter saw this he realized something right he realizes that jesus isn't normal he realizes he's not some, this is not some normal dude here, right? We're not just fishing here. There's something special. I've heard him speak. And the reason I said yes, Lord, to this whole process is because of who he is and what I'm thinking. But now I'm thinking there's something more going on. This guy's telling fish to get in my net. And so he drops down on his knees, right? He drops down before the Lord. And Jesus must be standing up because he says he falls at Jesus' knees. So he's down here. And he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. The second appropriate response, I would tell you, is repentance. It's repentance. When we encounter the awesomeness of Jesus Christ, the appropriate response is, I'm a sinful person. It's not an excuse. It's not... Well, I couldn't help that, you know, I, you know, anybody in my position would do such and such. That's not how we respond when we really encounter Jesus Christ. When we encounter Jesus Christ and we understand, we see 
who he is, what he's all about, then our appropriate response is to turn around, drop to our knees, and say, you know what? Probably the best thing right now for both of us is that you should leave from my presence because I don't deserve to even be in the room with you. I don't deserve to be in the room with you. Now, I do find this interesting because I do feel like sometimes we get filled with shame. We've messed up. We've done something wrong. Something has happened to us. And we feel like I don't even want to be like in church or something because, you know, I don't feel like I want to be. But it's not really about being in the Lord's presence, maybe, but other people's presence. I don't feel like I should be there. Now, the interesting thing is how Jesus responds to that. Because you would think that the Lord would go, you're right. Get away from me, right? Get away from me. But that's not how Jesus responds, is it? He's like, I know who you are. I mean, I'm the one who invited you to go fishing, remember? I'm trying to reveal myself to you. I'm revealing my awesomeness to you. I do want to tell you something. I want you to understand something. I don't think people really understand that he wants to show you who he is. He wants to convince you of who he is. There's no preacher that's going to stand up and convince you of who Jesus Christ is. No well intentioned well-worded argument is going to convince you that Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ that's not how it works the reason you will follow Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth is when you are convinced by Jesus Christ that he is the Lord God Almighty that's when you'll follow him when you're out with him fishing and you see the miracle then you'll say I'm in Nobody convinced me, he convinced me. But when you're convinced and you see the awesomeness of Jesus Christ, you will fall at his feet and say, what am I doing here? Why am I teaching the fifth graders in class? Why am I singing on stage? Why am I allowed to work in the sound booth? Why am I greeting people for church? I should be slinking over here, hide. Why am I doing anything for the Lord, why would he care about me? Who am I to share or tell somebody else about Jesus? What does it matter? And we fall on the face and say, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. There's no feeling of entitlement or earning anywhere in Scripture. There's no sense of like, Lord, you know, if you were smart, you would call me to be on your team. You'd have me on your team if you were smart. You would pick me. Now, when we know who he is and we know who we are, the truth is we can't believe he would pick us. And what I always tell people is the reason, I don't think the world understands this, that the reason we gather and worship has nothing to do with the fact that we think we've done something or that we're, we think we've uh, achieved some level of morality or respect, that whatever. No, we gather Because none of us can believe that Jesus Christ would forgive us and want us to be with him and go, hey, let's go fishing. 
It's unbelievable. But an appropriate response then, the only way to get to that level of relationship is to fall on our knees before him and say, I am a sinful person. I'm a sinful person. I don't deserve this. And his response is grace and mercy. Third response. This this involves not only Peter, but it involves his partners in the fishing business, James and John, the people who had the other boat. Okay? So back to verse 6. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. All right, I'm going to stop right there. Pause. He goes, Hey, I'm trying to lead you from where you're at to somewhere new. We always say this, right? Jesus loves you just the way you are. I don't care that you're a fisherman. I don't care that you're a sinful person. I'm fine with that. Peter, I can work with you, okay? Like, we know from later statements, uneducated. He's just a fisherman. This is his job. This is what he does for a living. They have a little business going. You know, he has a boat. James and John have a boat. They work together. They've got a little fishing business, right? They're not, you know, anything special. They're just ordinary guys, right? And go to work every day. And he goes, I know who you are. That's fine. I'm good with that. I can use you. And in fact, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take your fishing skills, and instead of fishing for fish, we're going to fish for people. Now that sounds kind of crazy, right? Sounds kind of weird. But when you're sitting there and you're experiencing the power of God Almighty, you begin to understand what He's capable of. And so it says in verse 11 something utterly amazing, right? It says, So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed Him. That is unbelievable. So the third appropriate response I'm just going to use the word commitment. You might choose a different word, you know. But, I mean, Jesus' call was really short. It's just go with me. If you'll go with me and be with me, I'm going to change your life, okay? Uh, You know, his first appeal is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, okay? Second appeal is there's a greater purpose I have for your life than just doing the same old thing every day. You ever feel like that? What'd you do this week? Same as last week. What'd you do today? Same as yesterday. In fact, sometimes we have this little saying. It's kind of weird. Same old. Same old. That's what we say. It's kind of weird saying, isn't it? How are things going? What'd you do? Like, you know, same old, same old. You know, I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. Life is just repeating itself, and this is what we do, Right? And he says, listen, I, I have a greater purpose for you than same old, same old. And so they decided, 
I'm going to leave everything. I need you to understand something. When the Lord says, come follow me, you're going to have to leave some things behind. They already had to leave something behind to begin with. First of all, they had to leave the comfort of the work day is over, right? The work day's over. It's time for us to kick up and relax and do what we do after work. And he goes, no, let's go fishing again, right? So they already had to leave that idea of comfort and normality for this. Now that they've experienced the power of God, he's going, you want to, you want to have more? You want to see more? You, you, you want to experience more of what Jesus can do in your life? I mean, it's kind of intoxicating, really. Like you get, you get tied up with Jesus and you see what the Lord can do. You want, to, you want more and more of it. And he says, you want to go with me? I'll give you a greater purpose in life. You become fishers of men. And, and, and so they decide, I want that. And so they leave stuff behind. You, you're going to have to leave stuff behind to move forward. It's a great hindrance to us. Because we've, we become very comfortable with the way things are. We do. We really struggle with it. And if you don't believe that, just think about what, what's happening at Christmas. I dare say some of you, some of you are fine. Your Christmas this year is going to be real similar to Christmas last year. But some of you, it's transitioning and it's difficult. You might not like it, right? Because it's not the same. Because this weird things ha- these weird things happen. The people in your families, they all change. They're little, they grow. They're this big, they grow this big, right? People get old, people pass away, things change. And we can get stuck in, but I want to keep it as much, like I don't want to let go of anything. But I'm just going to tell you to move forward with the Lord, and I'm not talking about Christmas anymore, to move forward with the Lord. You're going to have to leave some things that you're comfortable with, that you like, you know, that that are normal to you, that are safe and secure to you, to go do what Jesus is calling you to do, or you can't go. And there are people in Scripture, and you read about them, and he goes like, come follow me. And they go like, well, I just, I need to do this first. Come follow me. Well, I got some business to attend to, you know. And they can't go. Can you imagine? Now, we turn things down all the time, right? Somebody goes, can you go? And sometimes there's a conflict, right? Can I go to this or go to this? Do you want to do this or want to do that? But imagine if Jesus himself is saying, why don't you come with me? Would you choose his purpose over financial security? Would you choose his purpose over a relationship? Would you choose his purpose over your pleasure? Would you choose his purpose over your ability to control the situation? Will you leave behind an appropriate response to Jesus Christ is the response of commitment. I will leave behind some things to go with you. Now there's one last one I want to share with you. I'll call it evangelism. It's a big church word, but it really is a big church word that's fairly simple. It literally means to proclaim or to tell the good news. So I want to show you one more guy. His name is Levi. You may know him as Matthew. And Matthew is a tax collector. Tax collectors were really, really not looked upon very favorably in in their day. Now, we don't like to pay taxes, but we don't necessarily get all up in arms about 
people who work for the IRS. You know, you meet somebody and they say, oh, I work for the revenue department. There's probably somebody in here who works for the revenue department of the state. And we just go like, uh, you know. But it's really the pan. But for them in their day, somebody who worked for the revenue department, they were seen, it's just scandalous because literally they were working for the Roman government taking money away from their people to give to a foreign country. And they weren't looked upon very well. And so he's called Levi, this, this Jewish guy who's a tax collector, to follow him. And it says in verse 27, Jesus went out, saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth, and he said, follow me. And Levi got up, here's that commitment again, left everything, followed him. Now, I don't want you to think that this just all, I think Levi is aware of who Jesus is. He's been listening to him. He's been aware of what he's preaching and what he's teaching. And he's, you know, he gets the opportunity now to go, do you want to be on my team? This isn't just a random, like I'm passing by somebody. He, he invites him, do you want to be on my leadership team? Do you want to go with me? And he says, I'm, I'm in. So then, let's look at what Levi did. So then, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here Levi is, he's willing to leave everything, but look what he does. Levi says, I'm going to invest in a party. I'm going to have a banquet. Because what I want to do is I'm willing to pay what, whatever the cost is to introduce people to Jesus. I've met Jesus. I know what Jesus can do. I know who he is. And I want everybody I know to meet Jesus. Now, we... We want people to know Jesus, but we tend to make it convenient, right? It's like, well, I'll just invite them to church or, you know, whatever. But look at what he's doing. He's going, I'm going to have a banquet. I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you want people to show up, one really good way to have people show up is give them free food. You ever notice that? I went to a luncheon this week. I was invited. They said, come to this luncheon. Free food. It was at a good restaurant, too. I said, I'm in. I'll hear about that, right? Room was full of preachers. I'm like, these people know what to do. They want to get a room full of preachers? Offer free food, right? If you want a room full of anybody, get free food. We figured that out. We want to gather our family? Free food, right? Went to Birmingham yesterday. Called two sons, we're coming. You want free lunch at a really nice restaurant? Guess what they both did? They both showed up. One of them was really late. But, so he says, I'll spend my money. I'm going to bring everybody here. We're going to have a banquet. I'm going to feed you, but I have a purpose in mind. I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want you to know what's going on in my life. I want you to know I'm leaving my business, and I want to tell you why, and I want to introduce you to the guy. I just want you to meet Jesus. I just want you to know who he is so that you have the same opportunity to make a decision that I have. It's called evangelism. 
Intentional evangelism. It's an appropriate response to following Jesus Christ. That I'm going to make sure that anybody in my realm, people I work with, people in my friend group, people in my family, I'm going to make sure they know. When we gather at Christmas, I'm going to say, hey, I know we're here for presents, but just let me take a brief moment. I just want to tell you what Christmas really means to me. And you tell them about Jesus. It's not, you know, we're just, we're just inviting people to know Jesus. We're just sitting down over a cup of coffee and a meal and having a conversation about important things in life. People are, they're down for that. They're down to talk about important things in their life. It's called evangelism. So my question is, how will you respond to Jesus? How will you respond? Will you respond in faithful obedience no matter what the circumstances? Will you repent of your sin? Ask Him for forgiveness? Will you live in fear? Or will you leave behind things to follow Him? Will you invite your friends to meet Jesus? How will you respond? The great thing is the invitation of Jesus to us and to others is come as you are. Just come just like you are. No matter who you are. I'm going to ask the musicians to come just as they are. <laughs> and we're going to come. Wow. We really want you to understand and know. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask you to come as you are. And this is the invitation you can share with other people. That no matter who you are, no matter what's filled your life, no matter what's going on in your life, this is the invitation. This is what you share at the dinner where you're inviting. You can come just as you are. He loves you just the way you are, and he loves you enough not to leave you that way. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.